Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another book review that we are finally getting around to do. Uh, this is for Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, published by Random House World. This book came out July 18th, 2023 and was written by Delilah S. Dawson, cover artist Anthony Jones. And today we have our co-host Blake and our good friend AJ joining us for a full review on this novel. And we're going to give you the, kind of the spoiler free at the start and move into a spoiler territory right afterwards for the full breakdown. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, Sir Blake. I was expecting music to play. That really threw me off. I know. I was just saying that. I was just saying that last week when we had uh, the guys from Bucketheads on the podcast. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, Dan was down was with us. And I said to Dan, I was like, I'm so used to the Ahsoka theme playing, like right at the right when we launch it. Or, 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 or Rebels. Yeah, we were doing that for weeks and weeks. And now all of a sudden we just have the dry start. <laughs> We d what we need is our own sort of theme going on in here. Back to the dry start. Yeah. Um, with us is AJ. Hello, sir. Hello there. Hello there. And we have not had you on since we talked about Battle Scars. That is correct. By Sam Maggs. My understanding is you both gave it a glowing review. It was your favorite novel. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I forget exactly what I said, but, um, but no, we had some opinions on mm -hmm. it. We had yeah. some opinions. Yeah. Yeah. This one is, compared to that one, I think, I mean, it was just an initial spoiler thoughts of mine is, uh, you know, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, this book was pretty good overall. Uh, there was some gripes that I had. Uh, there was just very small complaints, but I'm curious, just overall in a brief, hot minute, like, what do you guys think? Let's start with you. Uh, I think probably similar to you, I would say it started out really strong and then it maybe wafted a little bit towards the end. I think maybe more so connect with it kind of overlapping Darth Vader stuff. I thought got a little weird, but other than that, I, I enjoyed the novel quite a lot. Sweet. Hmm. Interesting. I will be the voice of dissent here. Um, I really cut his mic. <laughs> <laughs> I really just didn't enjoy it. I thought it started out strong, and then they just really tried too hard and struck out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it has anything to do with some of the complaints that I have, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so for those who are on the old school Star Wars timeline, uh, for those of you who maybe, you know, they associate events with BBY and ABY a lot more, this book takes place between 22 BBY and 14 BBY. So this is spans across the entire Clone Wars period and uh, then a bit after. 
uh, after the Jedi purge and all that stuff. And, um, you know, just in general, you know, for those of you who kind of don't know who inquisitors are, maybe, uh, maybe Blake, maybe you can summarize real quick. You know, just what the, while I get this up and running. Um, the inquisitors, if anyone who doesn't know them is aware of star killer or he was Darth Vader's apprentice, uh, to hunt down the remaining Jedi from order 66. This is the inquisitors are essentially the canon version of that. But instead of being directly, uh, Darth Vader's secret apprentice, they are a, a sect within the empire of mainly ex Jedi that have been corrupted and are, uh, controlled by Vader and the head of their order to specifically hunt down the last of the remaining Jedi. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the first time we saw Inquisitors was Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. uh, this was a very divisive thing to throw in Star Wars canon at the time because a lot of people did miss Starkiller. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the more the bigger reason is that they needed a villain every week that wasn't Darth Vader that they didn't need to make a fool of. And so Dave Filoni came up with the Jedi Hunters, the Inquisitors. And because Star Wars Rebels takes place so far in the timeline uh, towards A New Hope, the Inquisitors are sort of already supposed to be kind of on the ends of their lifespan, I guess. Like sort of the the relevance of that program, seeing as 14 years has gone by, a lot of Jedi have already, already been hunted down and killed. Uh, so in Rebels, ironically enough, the first season ends with the Grand Inquisitor, who is sort of the, the leader of the whole Inquisitorius being killed off, right? And uh, from there, we got introduced to a few more Inquisitors of times gone by. Uh, later on, the Darth Vader comics books came out and uh, introduced us to even more Inquisitors, uh, which had perished before the events of Rebels. And most recently in Ahsoka, I believe we got our snapshot of the very last Inquisitor alive still who was Merrick, the guy that was popping up and, you know, throwing some red blade to Ahsoka. But, um, yeah, uh, this particular book focuses on uh, a main character. Her name is Iskat Akaris. And there is something very unique about this character because uh, no one in the temple knows anything about her species. And uh, the records in the temple don't indicate a planet of birth or anything like that. So she's a very mysterious sort of character. And not uh, only that, but information has been removed from the archives. Yeah. The second time that's ever happened. You know, I keep, I, yeah. I thought to myself, I was like, dude, like how is it that they make it so easy for like people to just <laughs> wipe out information? You know, like so many Jedi masters going in and like, Oh, click, click, click. I'm just going to delete that. You know, no one else needs to know about that. You know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. hiding their dirty secrets by just erasing inf- entire planets and whatever else. information or just yeah. some some youngling going in there just yeah causing tr- trouble and deleting random stuff so ridiculous man and the head librarian knows nothing about it yeah in fact she's she's she doubles down on anything that's yeah. there and if it's, mm-hmm. it's missing then there's a yeah reason. so uh for those to to end off our quick review for what this book is all about um spoiler free it is sort of about is is Kat Akaris kind of sort of coming to realize that she really doesn't belong with the Jedi Order and losing her way and uh, eventually being pulled in by the Grand Inquisitor to be an Inquisitor, uh, which is 
on behalf of the Empire, on behalf of the, the Sith, you know, still hunting down Jedi and stuff like that. So to see a transition of someone going from good to bad, it's one of those stories. And for those of you who uh, want to read it, I would, you know, just kind of throw out the spoiler bell here. Because uh, from this moment on, we're going to be talking full spoilers. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, let's start off with... Um, Training with real lightsabers was discouraged for Padawans. And uh, I don't know. I just wanted to know what you guys thought about this because we saw some pretty solid training with real lightsabers most recently in Ahsoka. And we've seen other Star Wars stories where people, Jedi have like Kanan and Ezra and Rebels have trained with their lightsabers, but on like a training setting. Yes, I think Mm -hmm. they have training settings. Yeah. Yeah. And in Ahsoka, like she used the bamboo stick things. Uh, I forget what she called it. It was like a a bow. Bow. Boken or something like that. Boken Boken sword. I was going to say Boken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think it's that. Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to know, like out of all the established lore so far, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was a bit strange that they just didn't have any mention towards training lightsabers or, or, a setting on the blade that they can change right it was just straight up training with real lightsabers was discouraged for padawans any thoughts there i do wonder if this is a technicality within the order where they consider real lightsabers to not be in the training setting Mm. because we see young wings in attack of the clones and they're using live lightsabers right Mm -hmm. i just seemed off to me um that they wouldn't make any mention or that was their choice of yep nope we just don't do that um i just yeah it didn't sit right with me which kind of started me off with a sour taste in my mouth out of the gate wow. yeah <laughs> all right uh this thing's only gonna go downhill from here <laughs> yeah well it, it goes up and then it comes crashing down hard <laughs> Uh, there was a there was a few cool Easter eggs in this book. One of them was Zama Shawo, uh, which there was a is a lot of Easter eggs in this book. Yeah, a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, but this one stuck out to me. This was in chapter two, and um, this is a martial art, and specifically native to the planet Jeddah, which is also uh, you know planet that showed up prominently in Rogue One. This particular martial art is the one that Chirrut Imwe is a master of. He is mm. blind; he can't see, and he has this crazy martial art that he does and that's what it's called so it, it came up in the book and i thought that was a pretty smart way to integrate it in other star wars stories um there's another one the the jedi had been training her since she was an infant this is katakaris is talking about but they had not trained her for this meditation would not make these feelings go away and i thought to myself like constantly comes up that this character is put in sort of a position of um you know being being pulled away from being centered and being kind of on the side of light and, you know, really kind of getting that feeling that maybe like the darkness is sort of more for her, a bit more like Kylo Ren than anything else rather than Anakin, but sort of a, a similar complex. And I just wanted to know if well, you guys... towards the end. Yeah, but it starts early on with, with her struggles kind of... Yeah, but you that know. was more like Anakin, I felt like. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to know, like, did you guys like that part of the character arc, you know, part of the story? It made sense. I feel like, to me, it's funny that you say it's more like Kylo because that whole section where she was really fighting that, to me, was very Anakin because we see through, especially Attack of the Clones, where he is constantly fighting with his emotions towards stuff. Yeah. 
that comes up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. a, a lack of, of, of patience in finding a center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just always being told to meditate, which is not what he wants to do at all. Right. No, no. It's got, it's definitely a person of uh, action and it felt weird that it's like, okay, we know you're really good at this, but let's not focus on that. Mm-hmm. Let's just focus on meditation. No. Yeah. And trying to find your center, but we know you're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a few more Easter eggs here. Um, and oh, yeah. And to go back, you know, I, I did really like how they made that part of the story. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was a good way to do it. Cato uh, Nemordia, the bombing that happens on Cato Nemordia. Uh, this is in reference to the book Brotherhood, which we reviewed on this podcast about a year ago now. And uh, that was really, really interesting to see it integrated into the uh, beginning events of the Clone Wars around chapter eight. Um, A cool reference to that book by Mike Shen. Another reference that came up was Master Kelleran Beck, portrayed by Mr. You know, actor, Mr. Binks. Oh, Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best. Ah, Yeah. Yes. The uh, the Jar Jar actor. I don't want to say that though, because you know, obviously, he's a well-respected actor. Actor in other in other respects, but right. So um, this, this was the Jedi we saw at the beginning of was it Andor? Yeah. Yes. Uh. Well, no. Was it was. Him? Uh. Sorry. Was it Mandalorian? It was Mandalorian when he saves Grogu. Yeah. Was it that guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Kelleran, Kelleran Beck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anything at the beginning of the book that sticks out to you guys? I got more here. I just you know want to give you a chance to. Well, talk about some stuff. I do think before we get into too many specifics, we should probably just go over the the general idea of the, the novel. People are probably very confused. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, mm-hmm. the overall the overall story, you mean, or, or yeah, just to kind of lay the you know, foundation. Okay, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, step in if I miss anything, but the overall book is about this the fall of the Jedi and the, and the rise of the empire from the inquisitor's perspective, which has been a, a big black void for a lot of uh, us fans. All, all we knew going into rebels was now there's inquisitors. Where did they come from? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. if they were specifically trained as we see in this, in this novel, there was a number of Jedi that Palpatine was actually able to figure out were kind of, they, they didn't really fit the classic mold of a Jedi, and they really struggled. And he was able to, well, at least in Iskid's case, try to uh, pressure her in one specific, specific direction, which we kind of see with Anakin. He kind of, kind of does the same thing, but just on a more personal level. And as the book progresses, we really see, as he, we kind of go into the Clone Wars, the side of the Clone Wars where the Jedi really seem incompetent incredibly incompetent of kind of what led to their downfall and really seeing that they were stretched thin. They had no idea what they were doing. They lost the, the majority of their masters and people who were more competent. Mm-hmm. They were all mm-hmm. lost in the battle of Geonosis. They were, mm-hmm. I think they were down like 30% of their masters yeah. or something. Something or crazy. Or, yeah. It was a different perspective for sure. Cause we're used to watching clone wars where we're literally watching the best people in the Jedi order succeed in there over and over yeah. again over yeah. and over again yeah. yeah 
but those are the best Jedi ever. Yeah. Like that, we're talking mm-hmm. Obi Wan, Anakin, and you know, yeah, and, Mace Windu and, and Kit Fist. Yeah. And maybe it's because it's a kid show, so we're only seeing the wins. But from this mm-hmm. book, we find out that by the time Order sixty six happens, most of the order is dead. Yeah. yeah, there's really not a lot left, and a lot of who were there, who is still remaining outside of a handful of masters, really are people that were raised in the war and don't mm-hmm. really carry a lot of the traditional. Jedi virtues anymore because mm-hmm. they were quickly promoted and just thrown into battle because they just need the manpower. Yeah. And it goes from that mm-hmm. through Order 66, which I thought was really fascinating, especially seeing the perspective of Order 66 with the Jedi that were targeted or, or, or pinned to be Inquisitors. And then that transition from that into the Inquisitorious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, all from Iscat's point of view, of course, mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Yeah, it's a, a whole novels from her perspective. Yeah. If we want to go into the details, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff, I actually did bookmark a number of interesting paragraphs. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, cool. If you ever want to bring mm-hmm. them up, um, it might have some some relevance. Some of my notes do. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, and just to finish up, um, the kind of the base layer from there, it goes into uh, how Iscat becomes an Inquisitor, the trial she has to go through. One of the really major things was we find out Darth Vader personally uh, tests all tests them. every yeah. Inquisitor mm-hmm. to make sure that they're up to par. Yeah. And most of them end up maimed. And I'm sure many are also killed and just don't become Inquisitors. Yes. And that more or less is the arc of the story before we jump to the epilogue, which is just how she met her end. It's a full overlap with mm-hmm. the Darth Vader comics, actually. The over oh, the really? epilogue. It's complete mm-hmm. a complete redo, but in novel form. Okay. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, fascinating. I'm curious to hear you talk about that then. Yeah. yeah. The uh some secrets revealed about the Jedi Temple in this book. I didn't know this, but the temple staff, which uh we know from Clone Wars that there are non Jedi who work at the temple, you know, a mix of droids and civilians. Uh, because some of those civilians were uh, sort of brought in for interviewing when the temple bombing happened at the Jedi Temple in the right. Clone Wars, right? Um, the temple staff have their own hallways, their own doors, their own little world kind of between the walls of where the Jedi kind of have their world, you know? Which is fascinating because that's like the old way of rich people and servants. Yeah. Like crazy, they don't want right? their servants mm-hmm. to be seen. They I just know. have all these back hallways and stuff. But I do wonder in this case if that's just an excuse to why we didn't see them in the movies. <laughs> like, oh, what do we do? Just yeah. hide them. They're I, in the walls. It makes sense though. It it kind of it kind of makes sense that they would do something like this. It just feels very Mace Windu ish to like, you know, like, oh yeah, the the servants can have their hallways and we have ours. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, he's like a strict kind of stern guy. He's actually painted as like an antagonist to Iscat in this entire mm-hmm. book, right? I feel Which like he would funny be... funny because, again, it's exactly how Anakin felt. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he would be the guy to like suggest something like that, you know? <laughs> um, something about uh, the droids in this book that stood out to me was that they feel much more deadly in this book than especially the B2s. Yeah. Especially the B2s. Yeah, that st- stood out to me a lot was um whenever like even in like one or two B2 battle droids comes up, it just makes it seem like they're these unstoppable forces of droid, you know, like even just mm-hmm. two of them. It's like, okay, 
I don't know how many I've seen a Jedi cut down in the Clone yeah. Wars. Like, it's butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like... I, like they're they're a bit more intimidating than the B ones, but mm-hmm. but still, like this book was just like, oh yeah, two or three of them show up, and a Jedi's like, you know, on the edge of their yeah. feet, kind of thing, yeah. trying to stay alive. And I was like, whoa, that's like Droidica level stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I guess unless you're Anakin or Obi Wan. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. But that this version of them is accurate to the Commando games, mm-hmm. where they were super tanky and like super hard to take down. Yeah. But then that kind of, you know, like those are clones too, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Republic commanders are good, but, you know, when, when it comes to a Jedi, you'd think it would be a bit more, less of a challenge, I guess, to kind of just do some flips and, you know, boom and, you know, down, right? Like, but no, it's just, I don't know. They, they made them seem like they were just these concrete walls that would just move into the battle lines and be like, oh, crap. So I thought that was cool. Uh, some interesting quote came up in chapter 18. Um, and it was about the Jedi not liking destroying knowledge, even if it has to be locked away. And this explains so many things in regards to how they interact with Sith artifacts. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of the history of this this main character and her master, who's perished at the Beget Battle of Geonosis, um, uh, they, they have sort of a quest of, uh, or a job, I guess, through the Order. They go around the galaxy collecting force related objects and artifacts that have to do with the jedi the sith and so on and so forth and when it comes to the sith objects they the jedi that is sort of take them and stash them somewhere Mm -hmm. and we know from the story dooku jedi lost that dooku finds the vault that they were storing them all in in the library like it's like Mm -hmm. a secret vault somewhere kind of like in hogwarts the restricted section you know it's like yeah kids aren't allowed in there no one's allowed in this vault like Mm -hmm. it's like the, the the grand masters of masters is kind of like may be allowed in but that's about it right like no one else is really allowed in there and uh, i thought that was kind of an interesting way to sort of explain why they send jedi out to find sith artifacts Mm -hmm. and bring them back rather than destroy them like it was it's an intentional thing that even though it's dark knowledge they don't like destroying knowledge at all and it's i guess it's the way that they look at life it's like okay even though this is like the baddest of dudes like you know we always refrain from killing them because we're not murderers that's a good point. It's is it knowledge itself or is it that knowledge of any kind? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, all right. Uh so this this holocron talks about making horcruxes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Palpatine's secret mm-hmm. secret stash. Yeah, that's that's kind of where it all went wrong though, is then Palpatine just took over the temple and just got it all for free. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was also a, a cool thing that comes up in chapter 19, uh, quote set that says she'd felt it in the forest, felt the chancellor's goodwill and approval. He'd said that they needed more Jedi like her. He validates what the Jedi don't. And this works on Anakin as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I really liked how they put him in the book and how they sort of painted him as this gentle, like respectable person who understands this cat, you know, that's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to like you know persuade her in any way whatsoever he just needs to be that guy that comes in with a calm soothing voice and validates her mm-hmm. opinions which differentiate from every single other jedi in the order yeah yeah just reassure mm-hmm. them same thing with yeah Anakin. yeah it's exactly the same yeah and it does make me wonder how many other people are jedi that turned inquisitors went through the same process mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Yep. Small crossover with Tales of the Jedi. Uh, there was a reference to Skywalker's new Padawan in the training room um, and uh, practicing with her two lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was an interesting sort of nod of the head to the idea that not many Jedi do use two lightsabers. In fact, mm-hmm. I think Ahsoka is one of the very few. There's mm-hmm. only three, right? Yeah. There's like super I guess few. Pong Krell, but Pong Krell, yeah. Different. Pong Krell, yeah. Pong yeah. Krell, and that's pretty he much it, Kira. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kit Fisto, we've seen him use two lightsabers, but he probably just knows the style. Like he doesn't yeah. carry two mm-hmm. on his belt. No. Well, if you're doing that, you can include Anakin. Yeah. Same, yeah, same for Anakin, mm-hmm. totally, totally, yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, some Jedi kind of, like, know the skill, know the art of two lightsaber mm-hmm. combat, but... Uh, and the master that she trains with, right? In this book. The ma- Oh, yeah. They used two, right? I no, forget. not, not Sember Vey. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she died... The second... Ma- Sember Vey's master. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her grandmaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name. He yeah. doesn't carry two, but he knows the art of yeah. fighting with two. He's yeah. like a really yeah. gifted swordsman mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think I think it was so. I'd never really thought about that. I was like, oh yeah, I guess like not a re- not a lot of Jedi fight with two lightsabers. I mm-hmm. think it's because it's an aggressive thing, yeah. it's an aggressive stance, and that's more or less frowned upon. But I mm-hmm. could see them being more lenient on those things during times of war. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of name drops in this book. I'm going to read a small teeny pi- paragraph here and you're going to spot a few of them. Anakin's Padawan, Ahsoka Tano, gave her a few pointers and suggested some text to read on the art of dual lightsabers, but she was generally too busy to spar. Isket sought training with Master Pong Krell, who was extremely skilled, but he was rarely in the temple and suggested to speak with Master Kellerin Peck. Kellerin was a thoughtful and detailed instructor, but he was committed to the training of the younglings with a dedication and energy that Iskay herself had never felt. Uh, so many name drops there, um, and I totally forgot. Master Kellerin Beck does also wield two lightsabers, as we've seen in The Mandalorian. So that was cool. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, she, it's been over two years since Thule. What have you learned since then? So, uh, something, a big part of the story is she messes up on a mission and the Jedi being Mace Windu (laughs) basically condemns her to serve two years at the temple since her mission on Thule, uh, which is where she botched a mission. And, uh, they basically kept her indoors for two out of three years of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Trending younglings. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. And they just have her spending like hanging out with the younglings and stuff like that. Uh, sort of explains why we just never see her in the Clone Wars yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they ever had to come up with a Pablo style excuse. Especially <laughs> yeah. because she's yeah. a unique race. That yeah. We've never seen before. So she would stand out. She would totally yeah. stand out. Yeah. Because yeah. no one knows what she is. Right. But it's interesting that they get her who they consider a disgraced Jedi to be the one that's training the next generation of Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Like the one that's going to be like a failed Mm -hmm. Jedi Padawan is also responsible for For training (laughs) the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bad job you're doing. Some cool fact about the Twi'lek. Something I wondered ever since reading the Darth Vader comics was, why all of them look so dang evil, right? Mm. And like, I know that they're supposed to be Jedi hunters and I know that they're supposed to be dark, you know, dark Jedi hunters kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like there was a, there was a, 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 like a black Twi'lek, you know, you know, really dark skin. Uh, We're talking black in color, right? Mm -hmm. And some 
a variation of Twi'lek that I've never seen on Ryloth before. Um, but uh, when he pops up in the Darth Vader comic books, his teeth are pointy. Mm-hmm. And um, something I've noticed about a lot of the males, the male Twi'leks in general throughout you know, as time's gone by is mm-hmm. they all have pointy teeth, but mm-hmm. Hera doesn't have pointy teeth. A lot of the females the dancers have been and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at Jabba's palace. Ayla, Sakura, mm-hmm. you know, she all regular teeth, right? U- Ula doesn't, but uh, Bib Fortuna does. Right. Bib does as well. So they put this in the book is uh, most males um, file their teeth as like a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Coming um, of when age. they coming yeah. of age thing. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought that was a, a really well-placed sort of, factoid i guess if you want to call mm-hmm. it that uh and i don't know if that's brought up anywhere else in expanded universe or previous kind of stories but i appreciated it being here in this book that to kind of explain why this dude mm-hmm. looks so mm-hmm. dang evil you know yeah <laughs> i did some archaeology and collecting work briefly for an authorian on batu before i got involved with the Joy depot there uh, references to Galaxy's Edge at uh, Disney World. <laughs> they plunk <laughs> those in wherever they can. Oh, yeah. They, they plunk those in at any any chance they get. Uh, so the Slicer, which shows up in this story, we didn't even talk about the Slicer. One of her missions um, after she has sort of been redeemed yeah, in the been, eyes it, of Mace Windu. It's her first ish. mission yeah. back in the field, and she's placed with the only other Jedi she considers a friend to be mm-hmm. Toulon. Mm-hmm. Who becomes the Inquisitor you're referring to? Mm-hmm. Right. With yeah. Pointy teeth. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, what was I going to say about? Yeah. So he's he he worked briefly on Batu and specifically at the Droid Depot. So if anyone has made a droid at the Droid Depot Bay, you know, little nod of the head to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, something that comes up in the book is Master Gallia now numbering among the dead. And this was a crossover with Clone Wars as well around the time frame of season five. Uh, Master Gallia, Adi Gallia, mm-hmm. I believe is the Jedi who is forked with Savage Opress's horn on her head, I believe, if you all remember that. There's a, there's a battle between Obi-Wan, Adi Gallia, Darth Maul, and Savage Opress in season mm-hmm. five of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And there was a moment where Savage kind of rhinos her into a wall. And it's this wicked moment that's like, oh, that is sweet, right? But, um, you know, I love how it, they kind of not just a time frame just to get an idea of like, you know, by the time you hit chapter 25, it's like, oh, this is where we are in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. It's like season five kind of thing over the halfway point makes total sense because at this point she's now been at the temple for two out of those three years, right? So I was like, I, I thought I kept the time. This whole book did a really good job at keeping like time frame references throughout the whole novel to kind of give you an idea of like, Oh yeah, now she's gone. And mm-hmm. you know, now this thing's happened or whatever. Yeah. I was, we have to give props to the author for doing that. Cause I've been a lot of work because Clone Wars has so many hours of stuff. So being able to keep track of all of that as it's transitioning through time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chapter 26 was a pivotal turning moment for the book because, um, Bit of a paragraph, bit of a sentence here. In the next moment, a sharp, stuttering pain wrecked Iscat's body and mind, stealing her breath and making her heart's stutter. Uh, so within the course of five days, the council sends Iscat to a planet 
finds out that Grievous is on Utapau, Obi-Wan has already gone there, mm-hmm. has killed him, and Order 66 has happened, all within the time frame of five days. When you watch Revenge of the Sith, this all happens within the course of two and a half hours. Um, but this novel does a really good job, I think for the first time ever in the canon, actually kind of placing these events in a realistic time frame. And the Most answer know, yeah. the answer is five days. Yeah. So and I thought that was cool. Since we're talking about that, something that was new to me in this moment, and I thought was super cool, is they didn't know General Grievous was in any specific place. Mm-hmm. There was a handful of places around the Order 66 they thought Grievous was. So Iskit was yeah. sent to mm-hmm. this location to find him, which is not Utapau, it was a different planet, mm-hmm. which we find out... Um, so all this happened. So they're looking for him in all in multiple locations all around the time where Obi-Wan does successfully find him in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool because, you know, it's a quote that Palpatine shares to Anakin, mm-hmm. right? It's like, our clone intelligence has discovered the location of General Grievous residing in the Utapau system. You know, mm-hmm. he does that. And it's like, oh, yeah, because they've been looking for him, right? And the mission that she goes on in this chapter is a part of that outer rim sort of search for the guy you know and uh i really appreciated how they did that and how it turns out okay he's not here but they discover that he's actually on utapau and uh and then order 66 short happens shortly after and uh you know the whole the whole thing kind of comes to an end and i thought doesn't know that and them mm -hmm. on this mission never find out that grievous was on utapau they're still looking for him on this planet yeah. Order 66 mm-hmm. happens. That's, 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 well, sort of, yeah. They're, 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 I think they're, they're doing something because... No, there's, no they're, they're, they're tracking still, him. Yeah, they're still tracking him. There was... Uh, oh, the entire, news never gets there, town, I guess. town, yeah, the, on the planet is yeah. like burned down ashes. And right. They're tracking the, and they're the, tracking the, the damage. scorch marks yeah. from the strafing. That, that's right, yeah. yeah so they're just following that, and then they move the starship over right. closer to where they Until are. The and then. Yeah. Right, right, and right. The turns, so right, that happens right away. Yeah, interesting. So they still think Grievous is out there somewhere on their planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a very cool sort of initiation, sort of a a question posed to her by Palpatine. I think it was right, and he asks her if she still questions the wisdom of the Jedi Council. Do you wish to embrace the talents? that you have been forced to repress the passions you deem unseemly and dangerous. Do you wish to see what has been selfishly kept from you so that you might remain a pawn of lesser beings? Uh, Do you wish to be free? And the way that he kind of asks her in that moment when order 66 happens, which she feels by the way, other Mm -hmm. Jedi don't, I thought that was kind of curious. It's like, Oh wow. She's actually, she's quite force sensitive in that, in mm-hmm. that sense. She was able to feel it kind of like Yoda does. Right. Yeah. yeah. She talks to that where her, yeah. her race is more mm-hmm. sensitive. Yeah. To the subtlety. She picked up on it. Yeah. 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 So it made her kind of prepared for what was about to happen in a way. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I love how Palpatine actually, this is the first time we actually witness sort of a personal call from him to mm-hmm. uh, a Jedi like that. Someone he kind of has kept an eye on and realizes that, Maybe she's a candidate for my future Jedi hunting army mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And also yeah. as she was leaving, she cuts herself off from the force. Yeah. We don't see that 
anyone else ever do that other than other uh, than luke Calpatine. other than luke in the sequels yeah. like he cuts himself off but yeah you're right but this yeah. is the first time that we see it kind of happen yeah. in a split second yeah you know and she's like okay yep i come out i steal myself yeah. i don't feel anything anymore yeah and then too long is like yeah you just cut yourself off from me yeah like i could feel you and then i couldn't yeah yeah some of her friend so, uh yeah her twi'lek friend references mm-hmm. that yeah uh so it, this is a this character is also um sort of dealing with a very personal issue throughout the course of the book because she has come to realize that her mother was a jedi as well and she was inducted into the jedi order and her master was the master of her mother and i don't know how no, on earth her master was uh the friend oh the friend was mm-hmm. her mother's like oh that's right yeah sorry when they were they were padawans together yeah 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 you're right yeah so um i thought what was interesting is like somehow she winds up getting pregnant who knows if it's another jedi who knows the mother yeah yeah, yeah no no one knows right and it's never revealed in the whole mm-hmm. book in fact uh she comes to a dead end when she realizes that her mother has killed herself um because of the events that she kind of underwent with the Jedi order and the same struggle mm-hmm. she's dealing with. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. same struggle. She was used to a different life before she had such a hard time kind of turning that, turning away from that. And so she kind of wished for a different life for her daughter, but it was so, so hard for her that, that, you know, she does this thing. And uh, there's actually a really interesting, there's a nice forward in front of the book, you know, and I, I don't want to elaborate on it, but you know, it obviously it's like, it addresses this particular moment in the novel and, uh, addresses it as a as a real world issue that a lot of people go through and i thought that was a really nice personal sort of touch to kind of understand some of the character motives some of the you know some of what the author was thinking when she wrote mm-hmm. that um so that was good uh hezo yeah. let's talk about hezo i thought you were gonna bring up hezo mm-hmm. when we talked about when we started talking about the the civilians working at the temple. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't go into it. He well, so, so yeah. So I want to, I want to talk about Hezo now because uh, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where in the story where he's sort of plays a more pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a servant that works in the temple who I believe it was a Padawan once mm-hmm. upon a time he and failed all the trials. Out, yeah. He's yeah. like, not a squib Jedi, but like a, a force using a Jedi initiate who never made it to like Padawan level status and therefore uh, was given a job within the temple to still serve, to still mm-hmm. live his life there. And he speaks to that. Yeah. He says yeah. most civilians that work at the temple were Jedi that washed out of the trials. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of crazy, but mm-hmm. also... And he says to why he says because when they they've been deemed not of the skill level mm-hmm. to be able to become a full Jedi, they're given the option to return to their home world or stay on Coruscant at the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he as well as he points out the majority of of people who work there are the washed out Jedi. They don't their whole family and everyone they know their whole life mm-hmm. is at the temple they don't it's know the anything temple. about their own culture yeah yeah so a lot of them choose to stay there and just work as temple staff instead of mm-hmm. going back to their their home world yeah yeah I prefer to stay to some with something that is known as opposed to going back to the unknown right right yeah um 
he is um, also uh, sort of come under influence of Palpatine and turns out that he is an agent of Palpatine and he's been sort of keeping an eye on his cat because uh, she, she's sort of been unloading all her anger and mm-hmm. frustration to this civilian who she thinks has no affiliation with the Jedi whatsoever mm-hmm. other than working at the temple. Mm-hmm. And I thought you it know. was weird that she would do that. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, it's because she had no one else to turn to. Mm-hmm. And she had no friends. Well, yeah. Yeah. that and she knew the Jedi would, would judge her, mm-hmm. right, for this, these things she's struggling with. So she, she couldn't trust anybody. Yeah. And then she ended up venting about this. This staff person who works there thinking it'd be safe and mm-hmm. fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really funny that, of course, he's those like this sketchy lizard race guy. Right? It's kind of like uh, a... Yeah. Sorry? I don't think he's a lizard guy. He, Is he not? I no, he's... he's um, really I think he's a... <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what you pictured the whole no. time? Yeah, kind of like... He's like the, I'm pretty sure he's, he's a Salonian. Yeah. Salonian. The same race as the slavers. He's a, the oh, he's, he's a yeah. tiger. He's a tiger looking, mm. oh, looking thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cat-like. The yeah. whole time I, I pictured him to be like, um, trend ocean, but no. red. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. He's, he's no, basically like a, like a humanoid point. cat yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's like the slavers that were in. A little Long bit like years, that, yeah. yeah, but more yeah. furry, yeah, yeah. Sigerian, that's the one that you're looking mm. at, you're thinking, yeah, of. yeah. Similar well, my to bad. That. Yeah. So yeah, so he's always been reporting on her the whole time to Palpatine, which is sort of how he's got the the ins, you know, mm. the the know of the know how. Though he doesn't yeah. realize that it matters. No, you find that out later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So. Something about uh chapter 30 that was revealed was this cat finds um that this is finds out that the seventh sister is potentially the unseen to audiences padawan of ayla secura yeah mm-hmm. i wrote that down too yeah yeah i didn't know that i didn't know that she had a padawan of course but you know then again it's like you know, when the Clone Wars first came, I was like, oh, Anakin doesn't have a Padawan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, who knows? But, I mean... Well, it just raises the question of what was going on, because we see Aayla Secura die in mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. On Felucia. Right, yeah. It's like, where was her apprentice? Being being saved by Palpatine and being inducted into the Inquisitorius, I Something, guess. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious more about that story now, mm-hmm. because we know yeah. Seven Sister from Rebels. Mm-hmm. She's one of the main inquisitors. We know her from well, in Seventh Sister, we know her from uh, from Kenobi. So she showed up. I don't think she mm-hmm. did. She show up. Seventh Sister was it? Was it Rebels or it no? Yeah, it, it is Rebels actually. Mm-hmm. Seventh Sister. And- Seventh Sister is the one with that triangular hat, who's uh, voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got the scars on her face. She's uh, one of those um, Mer- Marilens. Uh, Barris Offie's race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the tattoos. The on one that we thought was Barry o- Barris Offie. Like we, yeah. the, mm-hmm. as fans, we all theorized before she had a name, which I don't know if she even has a name yet still, but uh, anyways, but before there was less known about her, I think a lot of us was like, Oh, is that Barris Offie? Which would make mm-hmm. sense because Barris already was a fallen Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes, that makes me kind of, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the end. I've got a list of complaints mm-hmm. about this book <laughs> and I'm going to save that for the end. Okay. Um, okay, uh, here's another one. Uh, Sixth brother. Sixth brother mm-hmm. was um, 
I wrote a note that I can't even spell, but <laughs> I can't even read. I don't, I don't know why I wrote that down. That was six. That was six. Why did I write this down? That was sixth brother. The med droid said snippily. Oh, yes. Uh, now I remember. So sixth brother in the Darth Vader comic book. He uh, we see the scene where Darth Vader cuts his arm off. And uh, it's right behind you, actually. I think if you want to grab it, just uh, just grab grab one of those on the left side of those Darth Vader comics. This is like four red ones. Just grab it. Which one? Grab all four. Grab all four. <laughs> We're reading all of them. The the dark the dark Lord of the Sith ones, which by the way, if anyone's listening, definitely check those out. Uh, it's it's a, a great sort of story. You don't even need to read this book to understand that. It's like its own thing. Um, it's uh, the sort of the story of of Darth Vader, kind of right after the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, if you want to open up the second one, so it was like somewhere in here, I believe. There's a there's a scene where Vader kind of meets the uh, the inquisit the the inquisitors for like the first time. Oh, so this actually had been done before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that's why I'm bringing it up because. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's like an interesting duel that happens with the Grand Inquisitor and Darth Vader in the Temple Library, and then he gets introduced to like all the Inquisitors for the first time at some point, and Palpatine sort of describes to him sort of the the the, the evil plan at bay, uh, you know, which is going to, uh, I guess, you know, be <laughs> all these all these Jedi hunters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. So that was an overlap from. From uh, from this series as well, I can't find the exact page, but you know, feel free to flick through there. Um, and uh, there was a, a number of characters familiar to fans of Jedi Fallen Order. You know, I think I forget the name of that sister, but she's in this book as well. Like a lot of them are in here. A lot of them are in here. The only one that was notable, the two notable ones more recently that a lot of other people would recognize that weren't in this novel was Reva from yeah. the Obi Wan Kenobi series. And Merrick, he was not in this novel either. Uh, but most of the other ones were, and any of the ones that pop up in Darth Vader comic was hands down in the in this book, which is pretty cool. And I, I, it's nice that we're starting to actually get an idea of how many there were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, because they just have names that are numbers, so it just really leaves you wondering. What was funny is at one point I was reading the the novel and uh, they're talking about the Inquisitors and then she, being Iskit, talks talks to her droid and her droid is like 67 something. Mm -hmm. I thought that was her her name. She was like 67 sister. So I was like, holy crap, there's so many of them. (laughs) And I'm like, I had to read a second time. Oh, wait, that was her droid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It really threw me off. Yeah, mm-hmm. something uh, something that also stuck out was after she becomes Inquisitor. Uh, this is like my second last thing, by the way, uh, was after she becomes an Inquisitor, she finally kind of rediscovers her. She goes back to her home world looking for her mother mm-hmm. and she finds her family there, her remaining relatives. And they kind of inform her what happened to her mother uh, or what they you know, believe happened. And uh, when she meets her grandmother for the first time, it was very like uh, probably the most emotional part of the book because, and, 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 and I say that because like it made me think of the most emotional part of Phantom Menace as well. 
And that's not the death of Qui-Gon. It's when Anakin has to leave his mother for the first time. Mm. Because that's all he has, right? Like, Anakin leaves his mother. It's everything he's got. He's a slave. He's got, like, nothing to his name. He's got no, like, no money other than the, the winnings that he got at the pod race. Nothing, right? Like, you know, this this guy doesn't even have a father. Like, he was born out of thin air, right? And uh, he chooses to leave her for the first time, you know, to fulfill this this dream of becoming a Jedi and then coming back to free all the slaves. Mm-hmm. But Iscat doesn't have, she, she hasn't known anything more than the life of a Jedi and the life of loneliness and a life of no friends, being an outcast, being looked down on by people like Mace Windu and so on and so and forth. And her fellow Padawans mm-hmm. because yeah. of the They're scared of her, yeah. And her relationship with her mm-hmm. master who she's never really felt a genuine connection and turns out that's because her master took her on as a, Promised promise keeper, yeah. Promised to her mother. That's right, yeah. So even her her own master like mm-hmm. doesn't even really care about care her. for her that yeah. much, right? And and then he it's dies. An yeah. She does. Yeah. So she's got nobody. Like yeah. she's she's kind of all on her own. And and she mm-hmm. she is embraced by her grandmother in this chapter. And it was like, dang, like this was this was new. I think for any kind of Star Wars story for me. And uh, I'll just I'll just read you a moment here. Mm-hmm. So. With only the briefest hesitation, Iscat stepped into a hug that filled her with a riot of emotions. She couldn't remember a time she'd been held like this, cradled, snuggled, touched with such love and warmth. She melted into the older woman's, her grandmother's embrace. The scent that washed over her was so familiar and filled with love that she wondered if this was what non-Jedi children got to experience every day. Unconditional love and affection. This woman didn't know Iscat didn't know a single thing about what kind of person she was or what she wanted or what she should have been or what she'd done. She simply accepted her for exactly who she was, no questions asked. A sob broke free, and then his cat was crying into her grandmother's shoulder. Hush now, Bimala crooned, rubbing her back. It's been too long for both of us. We haven't seen you since you were a baby. They'd, they'd known her. She'd been here before. For a long moment, Iskia let herself weep as she gave into years of feeling alone and different, longing for something that wasn't there. The emotions washed through her like waves lapping at sand. That secret, something she'd always been missing, it was this. Exactly this. Love and acceptance. Perhaps even family. I was like, wow, that's good. That's really well written. Like, it just kind of does that not make you think of Anakin? You know, as someone who actually knows what that's like, mm-hmm. and then lives a life of like not having that. Like, no wonder he feels and so being scolded for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being scolded for wanting it, right? Like, like no wonder why he, you know, goes out of his way to like intentionally like marry Padme behind the Jedi's back and chooses mm-hmm. that life, regardless of the secrecy, right? Regardless of Padme's sort of warnings that that kind of life would rip them apart. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't not live a life without that anymore. So I thought that was really well, really, you know, done. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that or? No, I think you nailed it. I mm-hmm. think it's, uh, it's, I think it was a, it's a look at what so many Jedi would have struggled with. Yeah. That we really haven't put too much thought towards because these, 
These children are kidnapped, more or less. They're, they're given to the Jedi mm-hmm. Order before they can get to know their own family, and then they're taught in a way that's very unnatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it goes against, like, might say human, but, you know, in Star Wars, like, it's humanoid. It goes against humanoid instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the natural way of life. You want to make connections with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other beings. Yeah, no one's born to live alone, right? Like, it's... It's not natural. It's lonely, yeah. yeah. And instead, they're they're basically told to detach everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I get that it's a combination of trying to be objective and not let your emotions guide you. And also, these these beings, like the, being the Jedi, they're beings of immense power. So they can cause a lot of harm very easily, as we see with the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they shouldn't they can make very big mistakes if they're guided by their emotions yeah that affect a lot of people so it feels like the jedi tenants and how they raise these kids is to more or less put training wheels on them so that they they are able to live within a controlled box (laughs) to not yeah, others. so that is more instinct rather than like a constant daily sort of, oh, yeah, I have to have to center myself. Like a lot of those Jedi masters mm-hmm. who are so used to doing it, it's like in ground in them. It's mm-hmm. now become a way of life for them. Right. And I think that's kind of what the Jedi want. It's like they want to sort of condition everybody to like being like that so that it's so that it removes them from that sort of path of temptation for a life outside of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Lord Jakatis was the last thing on my list I want to bring up. He was an interesting character that shows up towards the end of the novel when Iscat's already an Inquisitor and he has to go, she has to go and, and hunt down some Jedi who have been captured by this, this guy mm-hmm. who is, uh, in fact, a bounty hunter who specializes in collecting Jedi and related artifacts. And he has made a home for himself out of an old Sith temple on a planet called Farhana. And I thought that was kind of like a cool, he was a, Bit of a quirky sort of character who finally reveals himself to her and then she just murders him. Immediately. Immediately. So easily. Uh, the whole events that transpire there was incredibly well done. I thought that that was like a, one of my favorite chapters, like, or, you know, a couple chapters of the book. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, this is, this is major spoilers, the finale, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Where he, she finally gets revenge on her fellow Padawan that was mm-hmm. always... Uh, a bit nasty. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. the kid in the class that was a suck-up to the teacher, but also was just awful to all the other students, mm-hmm. as well as her former master, who she always felt like was more or less lying to her face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Former master's master, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, she kills all of them. Mm-hmm. In fact, she kills three Jedi. She kills yeah. the target of Tulan. The, the, yeah, yeah, the other Inquisitor. The other Inquisitor, mm-hmm. that's right. Who was um, a race that I thought was uncanonized, but was recanonized in, I think, a game, and then they brought it back here. It's the uh, the the race with the pink skin, which is with a Z. Yes, um, we were just talking about those the other day with Bryce. Yeah, uh, they're the whole reason the, they were they're the pink made, ladies. They were originally introduced in the I think the Cade Skywalker yeah. comics, and their whole race was. 
intend to just be really sexy. Yeah. That was the whole purpose. <laughs> They're supposed to be really attractive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's the name of them? Uh, it starts with a Zeltron. Z. Zeltron. Yeah, it? I think oh, you're yeah. right. I think you're right. Something like that. Yep, you're right. It's Zeltron. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing is, of course, the epilogue, which we mm-hmm. did already talk about. Uh, there is, I think, an overlap with Dark Lord of the Sith Volume 3, I want to say. Uh, which is three out of four out of the Darth Vader comic books. And uh, that sees kind of the end of her story. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets sort of, we see it from her perspective now, whereas in the Vader comics, it was this random kind of like, oh, he just, I don't know, having a bad day and decided mm-hmm. to like kill some people. But, uh, but this time it's like, okay, we actually know what's going on. And uh, she's just being a little bit, a little bit playful, you know, a bit flirtatious with her old friend Tulon, you know, the Twi'lek guy. Well, at this point, they have a relationship, yeah. but they're not supposed to, so they keep it under wraps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they get drunk. Yeah. yeah, they get drunk, and he is the one that actually reveals it through the Force, his, mm-hmm. his like, emotions, right? And then Vader comes after them and kills them both. Yeah. And, uh, Which I that's, thought was kind of stupid, considering it's situation. It's the thing yeah. is, is it's already written, so, like, they right. can't go around that and change her story. But, mm-hmm. but I think the way that it tried to make sense of that whole event could have been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, though, like Vader's just one of these people. It's like, you know, he, he's fresh in the Vader suit, you know, like this is Anakin who is like, okay, you have something that I don't, that I've longed for that. I like right. burned a burned alive if, to if get, I can't have it. No one yeah. else. Then, then no, I'm breaking this up. Yeah. yeah and that's why is- the, I mean, this is the guy that like freezes Han Solo in front of princess Leia. He didn't need to do that, mm-hmm. but you know, you think he took some pleasure in doing it just because he's breaking them up. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> he hates love exactly exactly yeah his god is wanting love and if uh exception except and ex you got this. words words are hard <laughs> um acceptance in the jedi order yeah. she leaves the jedi order thinking okay now i'm gonna be free and then joins the inquisitors and then the ultimate thing that kills her is her want of love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saving this for last, um, missed opportunities list, which I have right here, as uh, well as uh, we Pablo points and Pudus. But before we do that, yeah, I just want to ask you guys notes. if you wanted to bring up any last minute things before we. Well, I've start. got a, a number of notes. Uh, some of them you talked about, but I have some Easter eggs and some stuff too. I thought would be cool to talk about. Yeah, sounds good. So the first thing was. Um. Uh, an Easter egg I spotted, which is they, her, so, is it's Charlin, I think. Her lightsaber is made from the tooth of a Firaxon shark. So I don't know if that stood out to you guys, but a Firaxon shark is was introduced in KOTOR. Oh, okay. And this is the first time it's recanonized. A little KOTOR Easter egg there then? Yeah, so these are giant sharks, like the size of a city bus. And they live at the in the near the, the seafloor of the planet Manan. Oh, okay. Yeah, at least if they're going to keep the old mm-hmm. EU canon. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's uh, cool. It mm-hmm. seems like quite often they just like sneak in all these these Kotor mm-hmm. Easter mm-hmm. eggs, which I always really enjoy. Um, that's punk crawl stuff. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. 
So something I thought was really cool worth mentioning was we haven't seen the knighting ceremony of a Jedi before. Am I wrong about that? You're not, you're not wrong. Um, the way that that's interesting that, yeah, sorry, you brought, you brought up a good point because, um, the something, something we didn't talk about yet in this book was the knighting ceremony or sort of unofficial, Mm -hmm. official, very casual and not formal way of doing it was they just kind of stand them all in a line and promote them in front of a bunch of people. Right. And I thought so that that actually was have trials, no, right? No even trials. Anakin was in that group, right? Yeah. Like Anakin, yeah, it was Anakin, right. Iscat, and like two or three other Padawans mm-hmm. that were kind of just out of the blue, just kind of knighted. And um, was out of there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and most of her classmates. Yeah, most of her. Yeah, had her crush. I think they call it right. And you know, I was trying to remember. Did we read about this same moment in Brotherhood, or am I mistaken? I forget if it came up in that in the novel. I don't think so. I think it, I remember it from somewhere. I feel like um, it's, it sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. Well, I don't know. they just line everyone up and knighted them. Yeah. It was very um, not formal though. Yeah. So it wasn't really like your typical knighting ceremony. And it, no. it was interesting how the book kind of referenced that. Like <laughs> yeah, it was like, it out. Yeah. yeah. So it, it came up as an issue later because I think some people promoted too early. Yeah. 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 yeah, and they, they speak to why. It's because this is immediately after the Battle of Geonosis, mm. and they lost so many Jedi that they felt forced to promote people even early just because they needed the ranks mm-hmm. as they're going into a war. Yeah. But the part I brought it up for, which I thought was pretty cool, is she describes kind of how it is done. And it reminded me so much of the old Gendy Star Wars animated cartoon. When Anakin gets knighted in that. Yeah. If you remember that scene. Yeah, he walks into a dark room and mm-hmm. then all the Jedi are in the dark with their hoods on and the lightsabers all go up in yeah. a circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, exactly. They yeah. all ignite their lightsabers and they kind of like all, you know, point to the sky. See, whatever. that was a more Lights. formal thing, though, yeah, when that portrayal of his but, knighting. Right. Which is uh, unfortunately no longer canon. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think I like that version better. Like. Which is weird because you don't like the Gandhi cartoons. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that now that the now that they're not canon anymore, I don't really look at them the same way anymore. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There is some similarities, though. Here, let me read this. The hum of a lightsaber pulled Iskit's attention back to the moment. Master Windu had ignited his violet blade. Yoda ignited his green one. And then all the masters held their glowing lightsabers aloft. By the right of the council, by the will of the force, I dub thee Knights of the Order, Mace said solemnly, his voice echoing. It's interesting that they pulled those first two lines right out of the Gandhi. Yeah, that's what I remember being too as well. Yeah, because I think Yoda says it. By the right of the council, by the will of the force. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Mace, but I remember those lines. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great thing to bring up. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I I was wondering if the writer pulled that from that cartoon, mm. which to me is really impressive because it's no longer canon. It's kind of obscure. Yeah, it's from what twenty years ago? Yeah, it was like maybe even more. <laughs> We're getting so old. <laughs> I watched that it was new on Cartoon Network. Yeah, in mm-hmm. between shows. So good. Uh, another moment in chapter 21 uh, is speaks to why the Jedi 
didn't see um I think it's they didn't see the war coming. Let me re- read it. My note didn't say mm. specifically mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Imagine what it's like right now. So this is too long, I think, talking to Iskit. Imagine what it's like right now being one of the few Jedi Masters left in the whole galaxy and being given two sentences from someone in the Senate handed down through uh, three intermediaries because it's a secret with instructions on a mission that that's highly important to the war effort and you can't ask questions or dig deeper you can only look at uh, look around and choose from who's available from who's still alive and send them out with less intel than you you both would need that's what keeps happening that's what ancho told me before he died which is Toulon's former master mm-hmm. uh, they're doing their best but this war, not a Jedi trial they can control. The longer the war goes on, the more Jedi die, and the fewer options they have. So this is really speaking to why the Jedi are so incompetent getting caught up in this war. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. I like how um, he kind of addresses that whole sort of issue with sort of a lack of good intelligence mm-hmm. as well. You know, like that's kind of... It's it's because it's a, it's a democracy, and so these people in the Senate are demanding things be done, and then you know pe- information is passed from person to person. Yeah, and you're only really doing the will of the the most important senators, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you're gonna go where the money flows, which mm-hmm. is unfortunately how things work. It's no different in the real world. Yeah, yeah, wartime. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because I always wondered why the Jedi were so incompetent through a lot of this. Like how they they didn't see Order 66 or any of that coming because it felt to me, it was always the, the perspective that the story was that the Jedi were so busy and so drawn out with the war that when Order 66 finally happened, they were just extremely unprepared. Mm-hmm. They were just pulled left and right and up and down by the political system and yeah it was just you know it was a mess right like they they were kind of intentionally put in that position mm-hmm. uh, by by palpatine you know because mm-hmm. he's orchestrating everything mm-hmm. putting them in this position and they have no idea like yeah, why exactly it. you know that yeah. it's him right just spread them so mm-hmm. thin slowly have them just whittle away yeah yeah, I think the, um, yeah, I really like else there. I really like these novels because they really speak to a lot of the underlying stuff that we don't yeah. get in the films. Yeah, for sure. And after I kind of piece together, so I actually did bookmark the Order sixty six moment if we wanted to read through it. Yeah, sure. So it's in chapter twenty six. Actually, I think I already read a piece of that, right? Mm-hmm. We can skip it then if you want. And what else you got? Podcast. You seek good podcast. Star Wars Escape Pod is the pod for you. Mm? Leave a review and may the force be with you. Uh, so I got a... Referring to the Jedi who survived Order 66 in Chapter 27. So this, I think...
This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> listening to Star Wars Escape Pod. Don't forget to leave a review that would make even Master Yoda proud. Hey, let me read this. <laughs> so after the ultimate treachery, the cowardly Jedi could no longer be trusted, and so they were eliminated. The clones were given an order, Order 66. The only Jedi who, who were spared were those who saw through their lies. So this is the Inquisitor specifically referring to they, Palpatine did indeed have a specific plan of which mm -hmm. Jedi were to be saved or given the choice mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. turn on the order. Well, he probably used his agents within the temple. Mm -hmm. And now that we know that people like Hezo were around, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe he had, he had people probably keeping an eye on, on, on the Jedi kind of feeding him information as to who might be candidates mm -hmm. for, you know, his... Jedi yeah. hunting party, right? Well, what I found very interesting was in this specific case, he pinpointed Iskit to that she was kind of on the verge of turning to the dark side. She had a big struggle here. So she was a good candidate. But then we find out later that in Order 66, she betrayed Toulon, but mm -hmm. Toulon was then tortured into becoming mm -hmm. an Inquisitor. Which I find very interesting because understanding was she he was left for dead, mm -hmm. and Iskit always saw him as someone who was very loyal to the order and who was the a good representation yeah. of who a Jedi was mm -hmm. meant supposed to be. to be. Yeah. So I find that interesting because it also shows that any any Jedi could have become an Inquisitor. Maybe mm -hmm. I mean, like it could it may have been sort of this person's got cracks in the armor kind of situation, mm -hmm. right? Like it might, it might've been in, in that, in that regards, I think like a lot of people might have cracks in the armor. It could have been any Jedi possible, but I think, you know, there was a little to that I exceptions know. being like obvious nose, like hard passes, like Mace Windu, Yoda, Obi-Wan, you know, people right. like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, Palpatine knows is uncorruptible. Uh, that's, I think, why he, he's got these people that kind of, you know, feed him information mm -hmm. from the inside going like, hey, look, like this person here, like they're uh, they're struggling with something, you know, maybe. Uh, maybe they could use your guidance, right, because mm -hmm. like, because don't forget the these these servants they, yeah. of Palpatine, like they're serving him like willingly, mm -hmm. right, like he's serving Palpatine willingly because he's bitter about the fact that the Jedi gave him this like janitorial job that like, he's like he was supposed to he was a. Uh, you know, Jedi initiate dreamed of being, you know, great one day being a Jedi master, like what Jedi initiate doesn't, mm -hmm. right? Like we've saw that in the Jedi younglings like class and, you know, we've seen it sort of their eagerness in the Clone Wars with Ahsoka. We've seen it in, you know, Attack of the Clones with Yoda and Obi-Wan mm -hmm. in that room with them and all that stuff. Like they're, they're you know, they're little smaller young Anakin Skywalkers. They're all very, you know, keen on being this Jedi, this great powerful being, you know, fighting off the villains mm -hmm. and the bad guys. And, you know, they're like us, like they love their lightsabers and, you know, Straight. like mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And then can you imagine being told by Mace Windu, like you didn't pass your trials. We're going to give you the job of a janitor. You mm -hmm. get to clean. You would hate that guy. Toilet for the next 40 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would hate that, that guy too. And then some, some kind old man comes around kind of familiar with the ways of the forest going like, you know, listen, you can be free of this mm -hmm. and I can give you anything you want. You know, I'm going to, I can give you a ship. We'll give you money. 
you know, you can, uh, you just need to, you know, give us some mm-hmm. information on, uh, on this. And this is a respectable person, you yeah. know, that we're, we're talking the chancellor here. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, a lot of people would trust a guy like that and, mm-hmm. uh, and not, and serve him whether they, you know, whether maybe they just don't care anymore. Like to the Jedi, it's like, oh, the Sith, like they're pure mm-hmm. evil to other people though. Like the Sith aren't that bad. Like look at a guy like Cad Bane, you know, he takes jobs from Sidious and he doesn't care whether he's a Jedi or a Sith or whatever he is, as long as he gets paid, you know, the whole religious warfare between these two groups of force users is none of his business, right? He just lives in the galaxy that, that exists and does what he does and earns his money. And that's it. And I think Hezo has kind of become one of those people too. He's been like, you know what? The Jedi suck, but this is all I got. This is the life I've got. I've got no sort of, you know, anything to survive beyond the temple here, but I'm forced to be here because they made me this way. Like they took me away from my family. They gave me this promise of a greater life and being able to serve the galaxy. And now I can't fulfill that. And now they've taken it away again. Now Mm -hmm. they've given me a, a dust bucket and a broom telling me, Hey, I mean, he was given the it's option okay. to not be there. But mm-hmm. He chose to be there out of fear of the unknown. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because if he walked away, like Ahsoka, you know, does, you know, what would he do? Right. Like a lot of people, that's a, that's a huge fear. That's all the life they've known. And, and that's, let's mm-hmm. not forget that uh, the Jedi who wash out when they make this decision, mm-hmm. they're like eight, they're like mm-hmm. 10. Yeah. Yeah. They're super young. Right. Like yeah. they, 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 they go, they go anywhere else outside the temple. They'd like be eaten alive. You don't know anyone there. You got to travel yeah. across the galaxy. You've never been anywhere else. They don't know where they're from half the time. Look mm-hmm. at Iscat. Like they she, she didn't know where her family was, where she was, where her planet is. There's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of planets out there that they could have been from. Mm-hmm. Like who knows? Right. They don't know where to go. Maybe this is why the Jedi know that they're, the vast mm-hmm. majority aren't going to make that decision because it's too scary for a 10 yeah. year old child. So they just yeah. get free labor. Right. Mm-hmm. Just get people to clean the toilets for free. Well, I think like in the, in the mind of like Mace Windu or Yoda or whatever, they might be like, okay, these people are free, you know, mm-hmm. to do what they want. But in actual fact, it's like they sort of been cornered into making a decision to yeah, stay. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And that's where Palpatine comes in as this nice guy who, whether he's a Jedi or a Sith or whatever he is, these people don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not a Jedi anymore. They, they've been given the job to repair droids for a living for all they care. As long as they got a roof over their head, they're fine. Right. And here comes a guy who's offering to give them so much more, you know, who wouldn't take that. Right. In a, in a, in a circumstance of, you know, being, being like that. Right. And then also maybe he, maybe in some situations, maybe he told them what was coming. You know, maybe he persuaded them by being like, Hey, look, this is what's happening. This is what is yeah. planned to happen. Which is, I don't know if we go that far, but it's interesting how mm-hmm. quickly they, at least with Hizo's perspective, as we see later, he's then fixing droids of the Inquisitorians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting that he, a f- former Jedi in Washout, was so quick to accept that the Jedi betrayed the Chancellor yeah. mm-hmm. and tried to assassinate him. Yeah. So these people who are actually in the Order... And we see this with Iskin as well. In fact, that was one of the quotes I had is she, because of her distrust of it, which is likely a lot of these ex-washout Jedi, they don't trust the system and they feel that the Jedi have their own agenda just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, shall we talk some? I got, I got a couple more. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought it was 
And something I've been wondering about and was confirmed in this to me was the lightsabers of the Inquisitors. Because Jedi and Sith all make custom lightsabers, but it's weird to me that this really re- unique spinning blade that the Inquisitors use. Oh, are we getting into this now? Are we getting into the list of complaints or did you have any more like things you want? Oh, wanted? this is just, uh, no, this is more just like stuff that really stood out to me. Oh, okay. All right. It's not a complaint. Okay. Unless it was a complaint to you. It was a complaint to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess we get to, we want to talk about the complaint side of it too. I think I got a list of complaints here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just itching to get into it. I can so see if, this. Yeah. Like, do you have anything else that's like, do you want to like things that aren't complaints, but like kind of stand out? Otherwise we'll dive right into the complaints here. Cause we're at an hour and 15. Okay. I think there's at least one more big one. There's two. Uh, One was when Iskit was at, was first meeting Palpatine when she first became an Inquisitor. She's walking down the halls. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. asked if she's to become Sith. I thought that was very interesting. Because she calls out to him that he, he is a Sith. Oh, this is the second time she meets mm-hmm. him when she's an Inquisitor. But now he's been revealed as a Sith Lord mm-hmm. to people. And he emanates the darkness mm-hmm. off of him and stuff like that. Yeah. You talking about that moment or the, or the moment where she meets him for the first time in the elevator as, uh, the, as the chancellor? No, it's the second moment. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, though, because she figures out that he's a Sith, and she asks him, she says, my lord, am I to be Sith? And Palpatine, he chuckles and goes, oh, no, child, but you will serve the greater cause. So... I just thought that was really interesting that the Inquisitors are aware of the Sith, mm-hmm. but they've mm-hmm. been basically told to their face, like, you're going to be like this lower tier. Yeah. Yeah. You get to survive mm-hmm. in my existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? so, so it's like they're, they're aware of the Sith, but they're not welcomed into it. Right. Mm-hmm. That could only be two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had kind of always wondered that because like it was this situation where... I thought they just flat out weren't told about the Sith because cause there can only be two. Mm-hmm. And it, just the way dark force users work, they're always, you know, trying to climb up the ladder. Yeah. I always thought the way around that, why there were suddenly all these inquisitors, these dark side users, was they were left in the dark about that to just serve the Empire. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess like... You know, for reasons being that it's a little too hard to hide with Vader being kind of the guy that leads them all, right? But he doesn't openly tell them, I'm a Sith. He could just be a... They know, though. They know what what he is. When he shows up, like, she gets the same kind of weird feelings that she does around Palpatine. Palpatine being is described as, like, a very cold feeling. But whereas, like, when Vader Mm -hmm. shows up, it's, like, this fiery, hot, kind of angry... Mm-hmm. sort of seething mm-hmm. power kind of thing right but also like just these two people are like you know emanating the force like mm-hmm. no other individual that she's ever been around yeah. and uh and i think that's kind of the difference you know so so like whether they're told or not they like they know that the sith are out mm-hmm. there that, that's why they're fighting the war they know that you know that they, they exist yeah. and that they're living in the shadows but um i think you know whether or not they know that 
you know, I mean, it, Darth Vader, like mm-hmm. they know what Darth is. Like they know that that's a th- right. Sith title. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess they have like, that openly. Yeah. They have to be able to. Be able yeah. To yeah. Be able. I think it's just a given. Like they have to mm-hmm. know who they are, and but they, they also have to be able to accept their position, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and compare that with the life that they had before and go, you know what? I'm going to make the connection and go like, this is going to be better for me because of X, Y, and Z kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's sort of what the whole story with this cat is, is like, these are the reasons why I don't fit in with the Jedi. These are the reasons I could fit in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they also, um, like they get the Sith holocrons. Mm-hmm. They're fighting for that. So it's like, they're that scene is like a promotion, like, Oh, go out, find these things. You can learn yeah. whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, it's not like the Sith can really hide when they're like, here's knowledge, mm-hmm. fight for it. It really speaks so. to that moment where Palpatine tells Dooku to kill Ventress because, mm-hmm. because he, he says like she's getting too powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it really speaks to her character because anyone who can, you know, cause the, the Sith have like a, you're free to kind of learn as much as you want. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any restrictions on anything. And that's kind of what makes them so, you know, so, uh, I guess, tempting for a Jedi who's been held back their whole life, right? Yeah, right. But, um, and, and denied access to, to whatever knowledge that they seek. But um, I think, you know, the, the, the main thing being... Um, well, the downside to that is mm-hmm. they become so power-hungry and selfish that you can't trust anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just mind blank for some reason i couldn't remember where i was going with that but yeah uh, dooku um yeah when palpatine tells dooku to kill ventress yeah yeah it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of um like from my perspective it's uh sidious is now trying to figure out who's the stronger one yeah he's pitting two people against each other and he doesn't care who wins yeah right it's he like the over, never over yeah again. It's never-ending it, Sith story. As, but it's interesting in that where he warns Dooku about that, kind of giving him a heads up. Like He doesn't openly say, like, if you want to stay my mm-hmm. apprentice, get rid of your assassin. Yeah. Which, to me, Palpatine would just kind of let it happen until he has no need for Dooku anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so thank but, you. Thank yeah. for John, my memory. So, so where I was going with that is, like, I thought it really spoke a lot to kind of how far she's come as a Sith assassin, you know, in a, in a matter mm-hmm. of speaking. And, uh, be, you know, I, you know, Palpatine's not stupid. Like, he knows that Dooku is training her to eventually get to the point where maybe they'll overthrow him, mm-hmm. right? But that's why he kind of clues in, goes like, oh, she's getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, she's getting so powerful that, like, she will be a, a rival if I don't get Dooku to kill her off, mm-hmm. you know, while she's still an ally, you know? And uh, I think it's kind of like it speaks to how sort of meager a lot of these inquisitors are because they are denied absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like they are full reign. Like, yeah, here, take a holocron, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go out looking for Sith artifacts. You learn all you can, learn all mm-hmm. you want, but focus your anger on killing more Jedi. Mm-hmm. And they, they are not kept um, in, in, uh, in awareness of like the greater plan, even though their plan is to kill more Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's all they need to know. And, yeah. and they're given the gift of living a free life outside of that, which mm-hmm. is why Iscat can go home. 
yeah. right? Which is why she can go back to her homeland. I think that's really important for well, a reason why she that. chooses the Inquisitorians. She is in- initially, but then yeah. they keep her so busy that after that that she really has no time to mm-hmm. do anything she wants anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, should we get into this list of, uh, of complaints? One last thing. Okay. This is a big one. So this is in the epilogue. Mm-hmm. And, and in the epilogue, Iskit, now the 13th sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the other Inquisitors are with Darth Vader. And they're hunting down a ex-Jedi who has had a child. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is out of the Vader comic. Yes. Oh, interesting. And so... They capture the child. Vader kills mm-hmm. the uh, the former Jedi. Used to be a master in the Grand Council, and he keeps the child. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what happened to it. And it was interesting to me that the whole scene, which is the first time I had read it, I didn't read the comic, was almost exactly the same as the beginning to the first Force Unleashed game. Mm-hmm. And the child mm-hmm. in the game becomes Star Killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this this epilogue gave us a bit more detail to what we did see unfold in the comic, since the comic is completely from Vader's point of view. But uh, yeah, it, it isn't completely out of the question, since Palpatine has always had this idea of raising an army of in- Jedi hunters and and so sort that's of the Inquisitors. It is, but they're sort of broken and transformed into mm-hmm. being Inquisitors. They're not sort of like he wants his own kind of evil Sith order kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, but, but not like Sith apprentices rather than like followers that mm-hmm. kind of do his bidding. And in the clone wars, there was an arc where Anakin and Ahsoka are kind of on a mission to rescue all these babies that are being captured by Cad Bane, who has mm-hmm. received a list from Palpatine of, you know, well, he's had to break into the Jedi yeah. order and get the list, mm-hmm. you know, of, of four sensitive children. And he says on Mustafar at one of his uh, facilities that's supposed to do some sort of brainal surgery mm-hmm. on these kids that he envisions and force like he, he like foresees like an army of of sort of Jedi helping him, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a twisted way. Right. Right. Yeah. And then Pong Krell later in the show also has foreseen something that kind of evolves around agents of Dooku. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's maybe a misinterpreted, you know, sort of vision, seeing as Dooku eventually gets killed off. But, um, you know, point being, like, he, he envisions himself as an agent of the Sith um, rather than a Sith Lord himself. Mm-hmm. He sees himself working for their goals and outside of the Jedi Order where he feels restricted and restrained. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's not that out of the question to have that event transpire, you know, with a baby it, being taken. It depends taken. on where it goes. So... Because I know there's been many stories here where Palpatine is trying to get force-building children, and until mm-hmm. Grogu, nothing ever actually happens, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I never, I never, I don't think we ever found out what happened to that baby. So that's why I'm wondering because mm-hmm. then it depends: did Palpatine do something, or did Vader do something? No idea. Because mm-hmm. if it's the Vader does something, then we might get a new a, a Zabrak version of Star Killer. <laughs> I, it's possible that this could come up later, right? Like the Marvel comics have frequently sort of in other series later down the road. It could be a year, it could be two years, it could be five years away. Like they sometimes call back to things that were left unresolved mm-hmm. and then do a, a, either a one shot or something else to kind of give that con- uh, closure in a way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I've seen that happen a number of times. So it is definitely possible that this could, could come up again. It's got to go somewhere. It's a weird thread to just kind of leave open like that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. to me, just because the way the scene played out, it feels so much. If this not some sort of secret apprentice, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> because they've basically just stolen the entire origin. Like, the whole first level is basically what happens. So it gets well to find out. But yeah. I, w- I would recommend reading those comic books. Because it could be it could have been a while. Maybe I maybe maybe we do find out what happens. I just can't remember. Uh, but I've read them a couple times. Like, the whole series, I've read it, you know three maybe four times or something oh, it's wow. okay. some of the best comic books ever ever done up by marvel this um, is the dark lord of the sith this one's right here yeah these okay. ones yeah really good hey did you read these nope okay read them <laughs> 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 uh okay they, we gotta wrap this up so yeah. so we're at an hour and a half so i gotta wrap this up um things i did not like about this book and mm-hmm. then i'm gonna ask you guys if you felt the same Number one is this book does not open up with an opening crawl. Every single other Star Wars book I've ever read has an opening crawl. That's a page with the text as if it would be scrolling in front of the camera like in the movies. This was the first Star Wars book I've ever read from my recollection that has not had this. And I thought that was very, very strange. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if either of you cared or picked up on that when you first opened the book for the first time. I didn't pick it up right away. But then like when I finished the book and I was like, sitting there and i'm like wait a second so then i flip through and i'm yeah. like oh there's something with it yeah something missing from did that do you pick up on that i didn't notice because i've only ever done audiobooks up to this point uh, okay. well normally they read the opening yeah. crawl though, right? yeah but the they don't say crawl. this is an opening crawl oh well they, they'll say a long long time ago yeah. right that that sentence was on a page but then there was mm-hmm. nothing that followed yeah. it was just right into chapter one Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't notice because yeah. I assumed it was because of okay. that. But well, there we go. There you go. Here's another one. Um, I really wish, and this is a missed opportunity that they just never put in the book. I wish that Iscat heard Barris's speech mm. and uh, about the bombing of the temple, oh, and perhaps, perhaps yeah. if she was there to witness something because she was there for two out of three years of the Clone yeah. Wars. I thought it was really stupid and really dumb. That she did not witness, and the bombing of the temple is this big mm. thing. It, wasn't it never came up in the never book. Mentioned. Yeah, 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 never right. mentioned. Never mentioned. Yeah, that definitely should have been mentioned. Yeah, but I will say she wasn't at the temple at that point because that happened near the end of Clone Wars. So she would have been back in the field. That was, then. but that was that was season five, and um, season five, uh, Addy. Yeah, it's possible she could have been in the field, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this was again like there was a reference to Addy Galia's death. Yeah. And she was at the temple still at that point. Yeah. And this was also season five. Right. So I thought that it was really weird that she wasn't, that it wasn't brought up at all. Mm-hmm. Even, even in like, maybe she is off on another planet. And then she comes back and she hears about the bomb. Yeah. It, or it, like, like this something. Was a, yeah. Yeah. It, like, it should have at least been referenced. Yeah. yeah it's a massive thing. It's mm-hmm. also a big political thing. Cause there yeah. was in that episode in the Clone Wars, there were people riding outside the temple mm-hmm. with like the anti-clone thing on there. Yeah. You know, the, the Sid Dralig was out there kind of calming them all down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a big sort of thing. And I, I, I thought it was really weird and surprising that they, they didn't work that into one of the many reasons that she wanted to leave mm-hmm. the Jedi. Yeah. And I thought her Barris's speech when she's put on trial could have been mm-hmm. a really good opportunity, you know, to sort of uh, get one more divisive opinion in her head mm-hmm. to sort of break her free of the Jedi of the Jedi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I agree with that. Here's another one. I wish that 
Dooku had been brought up at all because he wasn't <laughs> brought true. up. He he. Yeah. This is a big deal. Uh, like this is this is a Jedi Master mm-hmm. who left the Order and became a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. Like who, when the frig does that happen? And this was never brought up in the book, right? Yeah. And for someone who's struggling, yeah, with what she learns later, yeah. is likely the dark side and feeling this calling away. She never. Mm-hmm. It's never brought up. Not even the death of him. Yeah. Not even the death. Of, the the grievous yeah. grievous was brought up by mention. Yeah. But Dooku, like, never was it mentioned okay. about yeah. his downfall or about yeah. his death. Neither. I don't think his name was mentioned at all. No. No. It was either. Yeah. It was only Grievous as the face of the enemy. I thought that was really stupid. Yeah. I thought it was like a genuinely stupid not to put that in the book because mm-hmm. I was like, this is an obvious answer to. To her character, mm-hmm. like you know, for her, for her to even contemplate in one sentence in the novel, I wonder what drove Dooku, Dooku away. away from yeah. the Jedi. Even that one mm-hmm. sentence could have done so yeah. much for me in, at any point in the story, and it wasn't there. And yeah. I was like, "Let me add to that," because we get name drop, and she speaks to Master Pont Krell. Mm-hmm. And then it's never mentioned when he turns on the clones and is arrested. Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Pong Krell's never mentioned. Yeah. He's killed yeah. for turning on the on the, the, the Republic. Yeah, the clones execute mm-hmm. him. Yeah, clones right. execute him. It's never mentioned that he has his whole mm-hmm. thing either. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, any Jedi that has trouble <laughs> and turns is just completely they botch ignored. Yeah, <laughs> botch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's here's another one. Uh, the maybe Anakin. I think he's slightly name drops. He was name dropped a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was no name dropping of the return and rise of Maul or Savage Press, even though Adi Gallia's death was mm-hmm. mentioned. There was no mention of who did it and why. And the um, the characters, I feel, I feel not as a big of a missed opportunity, but I thought it was kind of unfortunate that maybe it didn't come up that these, that this ex. Sith apprentice that mm-hmm. Master Kenobi had once killed had kind of come back from the death, dead, and whatever else. You know, I thought that may have been like cool to kind of bring up at some point, but that mm-hmm. yeah, that was never Do you mentioned. Think it's I mean I can't excuse the Dooku because that should have been really obvious. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is because the Jedi were kept so busy that they didn't even have time to pick up on a lot of the news and small talk between each other. Because they were just constantly mm-hmm. in the field, new mission, new mission, new mission. I guess so. I mean that one is a smaller one. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it's another Jedi that's died, you know, I guess maybe the, the who did it doesn't matter as much, but yeah. I, th- I feel like it's a big, huge war thing. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. there's one more like threat on the, 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 the war. Like there's this guy out here who's, you know, making alliances with like Mandalorians and, and the black sun mm-hmm. and, you know, becoming like a, a you know, an un- unofficial third faction in this yeah. war. Right. You know, like, why is that not kind of more widely well, known, right? Iscat is also doesn't have any friends in the temple yeah. other than Hizo. Hizo so should like, have mentioned it. Maybe Hizo should have mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. So I feel like that was a missed opportunity when yeah. they say, oh, yeah, she or Iscat goes to Hizo and they talk about the war mm-hmm. and how the war is progressing. Mm-hmm. That's all they say. Yep. It's like you could have brought in a few things of this in yep. that same time yeah uh i got three more uh this one is uh in after she becomes an inquisitor 
the ritual in which she becomes the Inquisitor was both disappointing and skipped over many details that mm-hmm. could have expanded upon the lore, including yep. the Inquisitor's lightsabers. That's why. Yep. And I, I thought that, that for a novel which is called Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, yep. I thought was also a very confusing and stupid mm-hmm. way to transition her from being a Jedi to an Inquisitor. Yep. It was like all the details I wanted to know mm-hmm. were skipped over completely. Yep. Brain. Yep. And I thought that was really foolish not there's, to. There's more detail in, in the Jedi knighting. Than yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The exactly. Exactly. It, like, yeah. what, what did you think of that? Well, with the title of Inquisitor Red Blade, it seemed like most of the book and all the details were about when she was a Jedi. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. It was, a, like, I think it, was, it was about how Jedi could become Inquisitors as opposed to the Inquisitors themselves. But yeah. when, yes. But then when they have the opportunity to actually explain how ex-Jedi become Inquisitors, they don't do anything. Yeah, it's like... They have so much detail, which I kind of appreciated. And then they get to becoming an Inquisitor and it's like, okay, yep, she's an Inquisitor. She fights someone. She goes on a mission. She comes back. Vader kills her. Yeah. It's like that that's the end it was of the so story. Short. Yeah, the Inquisitor section was too yeah. short. It was it was you know like, here, here's, was, here's another thing. Like like I one of the questions I had when I started reading this book that I was hoping that would be answered was who makes all the Inquisitor lightsabers? Because she was given. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. find out she given. is given. Yeah. The, we, we kind of assumed that I from have, before, right? I have the p- small paragraph. Oh, yeah, do it, do it, do yeah. it. It's so brief. It just says she had built two lightsabers with her own hands. But now she would learn to fight with a far more powerful red-bladed lightsaber that could spin like a circle of death. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So stupid. Yeah. I mean, like, like who made that? Who makes those? Who corrupts the kybers to mm-hmm. make them red? Well, she did that herself. She did say that. That's my, my the next, literally the next quote I have, which is, the crystal of her remaining green lightsaber had been part of the transformation of her new red one. Okay, yeah, but mm-hmm. did she do that? Because only I, that, I believe so. That that to me seems confusing mm-hmm. and almost inaccurate. Because in yeah. the comic books, it was like a rite of passage of the Sith that Darth Vader had to corrupt his own mm-hmm. Kyber crystal. Yeah, and but like, they're not Sith. But they're not Sith, so like it makes so no sense for them to it. do. Is Vader yeah. doing it for them? That's what I think. I, the, I think yeah. Palpatine just touches a Kyber crystal and this just like <laughs> begins to go. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's just like one, two, three, four. You know, just touching. How many them do all. you need? Here's five. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Reaches into yeah. a bucket, like they all just go red. I don't know. You can hear I hear like, them scream, right? So he touches. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like who, also, who makes the hilts? Like they're all the same. They all yeah. do the same stuff. You know, probably like, factory. It's I mean, just a. Yeah, it's just, factory it's just that's confusing. making these. It's just confusing, and savers. and and I didn't like it. I didn't yeah. like how they skipped over all the details no. I wanted to know about. No, it could yeah. have been a short chapter of just the knighting ceremony, mm-hmm. the, her being given the lightsaber by the Grand Inquisitor, him explaining yeah. sort of maybe some things about it and mm-hmm. like why she has to use this one as opposed to her other one yeah. and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. more than just a uniform thing. Yeah. Right. Like there has got to be something more mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. I refuse to believe that it's just like here, mm-hmm. this is so that we all look the same. Yeah. Yeah. This, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. Well, it was also exactly. because it had the spinning function to give them an advantage over Jedi. But yeah. And because Sith always have some sort of unique thing. Right? Yeah, but who, I still yeah, want to know who made them. Yeah, like like what was the whose idea was it? You know, for that. They, it probably I would guess this the, is my theory 
the Grand Inquisitor designed the first one, and then they were just copied out. I guess so. But they're, like, they all have slight variations to them. Yes, mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit stylized, but they're all... I'm going to try to think if, if this is the case or not, because I didn't, I didn't quote it in my book, but she speaks to that... I think she speaks to she built it, but with the parts and like it basically like instructions. I don't think I don't remember that at all. There's it's because there's like a, a quick like throwaway line where she talks about how she like hasn't tried out these features of this thing that I, I think she says she built it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, because she I she it was, she it has was to just to her. Yeah, it was given to her because yeah. she doesn't even know that it spins. Yeah, it's just right. handed to her here. Use this. Yeah. You don't want to use anything else. Like there's no way that she right. built it. And then it. she has to go to the pit to try and fight other people mm-hmm. to actually figure out, hey, what the heck does this thing do? Yeah. Right. Like especially when she was her first fight with Toulon when he's introduced. She's like, Nope, I'm just gonna let him figure out how to use the lightsaber. Yeah. Because right. Toulon yeah, didn't know how to yeah. Yeah, yeah. get it spinning right. Yeah. So, so he's like, he has no idea how to do anything with it other than turn it on. So like it's it's possible yeah. that maybe her kyber crystal is in there, but at the same time, I don't think she's the one who who, who corrupted, corrupted who bled it, it. Yeah. and I and she's definitely not the one no. who built the hilt. No. So like I'd lo- I love to have known more about that. I would have liked to have known more about the knighting ceremony, yeah. how it could have paralleled mm-hmm. the Jedi ceremony in a more formal, different way that maybe she actually connects with more. Yeah. Because the Jedi knighting ceremony, like what we were saying, was so rushed and kind mm-hmm. of like, right. we just need be, generals on the front line. Yeah. Like, yeah. this could have been an opportunity to expand. Mm-hmm. Make something more personal. And make yeah. something more personal, she right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, the only thing close to that is the name, where she's given a name and she chooses to wait to accept it. Yeah. Thirteen sister, and she waits. Yeah. She, she feels she's earned it, but that's really the That's after she kills the yeah. Jedis, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Here's another one, uh, taking it down a notch. Small gripe, but um, I hated the fact that she was stabbed through chest and lips. Uh, this has happened way too many times mm-hmm. since the Phantom Menace, and um, and every single other person has survived. Yeah, um, Qui Gon has to be the one guy Poor that dies. Mm-hmm. So that was just small gripe. It was like, really, did it really need to go through Ooh. her whole chest and out the mm-hmm. back end? Like, I don't know. I just was like, oh, but he like, missed her hearts. Yeah. So she still like, lives. It was, yeah, I, she's got two. He yeah. missed one in, especially in the middle, like, between them. Went in the middle. Especially after the, the whole uh, a Sabine Ahsoka episode where she gets stabbed through the whole yeah. like Kylo Ren. He gets stabbed through. Like, I don't know. I was just like, you know what? It's just, it's been there. It's done that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of sick and tired of people getting stabbed and living, you know? Like, <laughs> I miss the days where someone got stabbed and died. <laughs> like, let's just put it at that. Simple. Yeah. yeah, simple and straightforward. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, a, a stormtrooper gets shot in the hand and they die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my last one here. Uh, they keep on talking about uh, the Inquisitor headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe this is while while it's still on Coruscant, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this? Because at some point it moves to Mustafar, right? At yeah. some point it moves to Nur. Nur right, which mm-hmm. is the planet next to Mustafar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like a watery world. That's and right. it's like in the Mustafar system. Um, I think it was sort of unfortunate that maybe we never got mention of this construction of Nur happening at all. 
Um, then again, maybe it's so early on in the timeline that Nur doesn't exist yet. Um, however, be, in the, the Vader epilogue. comic books, we did see it get built, I believe. And mm-hmm. I think it was in the volume four. So it was after she died, to be fair, mm-hmm. I think. But I think it was like, okay, it could have been could have been mentioned somewhere that maybe there was like we're temporarily, you know, at the Inquisitor headquarters here and mm-hmm. we're planning on moving there, whatever. Right. Right. And they, then to me, it's they should have probably mentioned it in the epilogue where there's yeah. a time mm-hmm. jump. And I'm guessing that's now on her when they try yeah. to escape. Right. Yeah. Um, the epilogue. Yeah. It has to, no, it wasn't no, right. there has to be Coruscant because yeah, there's the speeder chase. Yeah. yeah. By the way, the thought, the thought of Darth Vader and his speeder yeah. chase to me was the funniest thing because it's so stupid. It's yeah. it's better in the comic book. <laughs> it's, it's better in the yeah. comic book. It's stupid in the book. Because I was, <laughs> I was picturing Attack of the Clones speeder chase with Anakin. No, he's... he's but, it's, but it's just Darth Vader. So yeah. he, he like jumps onto a speeder mm-hmm. and he's like standing on it and like riding it kind yeah. of like... You know, he's like a like, like a hover him, platform. Nah, in my head, I'm picturing him driving it like Koala <laughs> Deville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Pablo points or Pudus. Um, uh, so, I don't know, okay, out of those complaints, did you guys have any any more to add to that, or or should we should we give it a score and call it? Yeah. Mm, no, we kind of spoke to it. Main complaint yeah. really is just that these the. In- Inquisitor part was very, very short. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe 10% of the novel. Yeah. Left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Pablo points and Pudus, and then we will wrap it up. Uh, maybe, Blake, we can start with you. Hmm. See, it's tough because I feel like the novels are almost on their own rating system. Because they feel that it's hard to compare the novels to the films and shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would say, well, first of all, I guess we should probably explain Go for how it. we write stuff. Actually, I want to hear AJ explain it. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> how does Pablo points and poodoo's work? Um, I know that Pablo points mean you like it. Yep. There's a bendu. Which means you don't care about it. It's fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, Pudus, you just don't like it. That's right. Yeah. And there's and how many of each? Three of each. Three of each. That's, That's right. it. You got yeah. it. So three Pablo Pudus, the worst, the worst. Moving up from there, you got two Pablo Pudus and one Pablo Pudu, then a Bendu, fifty percent. Then one Pablo point, two Pablo points, and three Pablo points being the best, the best, the best. <laughs> you got it. Uh, so okay, go ahead, bug. <laughs> I would this is a really interesting novel to me because it it focuses on so many things that I've actually really wondered about and it was good overall but as we've just discussed here at the end of this you know almost an hour and a half almost two hour podcast there was definitely some gripes there which maybe I was a little too uh, rose tinted goggles about until you pointed it out and now it just seems so obvious <laughs> <laughs> yeah did i lower your score it did for sure <laughs> um but i i still would put it in for sure the top half of books maybe the top 30 hmm. percent interesting so i i th- just because it, it to me it expanded a a black box that i've been wondering about for since the rebels came out honestly 
So I will say 1.5. 1. 1.5 hollow points. That's still good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still good. All right. AJ. Um, yeah, I'm definitely on the other scale of it. Um, you drop a big old poodoo all over this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 1.5 poodoo. For me, I just, what I really wanted to know and what I thought the book was going to explain was the Inquisitors. Right. And they skip over that basically entirely. Mm-hmm. And then the epilogue is super rushed. So, and I just. issue is the title is a lie. Well, it's not even, it's not that. Okay. That's part of it. Right. Um, but then like they go into so much detail with her as a Jedi and then they like skip over everything else about the Inquisitors. Right. And like. It just, I guess my expectations were better. Okay. Um, I got a new title for you. Yeah. Inquisitor, how I got here. Because it was more about her as a Jedi becoming an Inquisitor than her being an Inquisitor. If the title is different, would that raise your score? Probably not. Okay, there you (laughs) go. Still with 1.3, 1.25. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, but... Yeah, it was just, it just, they were swinging for the fences and they just struck out, in my opinion. Fair enough. All right. Um, I got to give it one Pablo point. You know, I thought I was, I thought I was good. I think if even three out of the six things or whatever that I mentioned at the end there was fixed or different, I could have raised a full Pablo point to the Duke who thinks bothered me a lot. Yeah, the Duker thing bothered me a lot, and uh, the knighting ceremony was disappointing, and uh, I don't know. I think there was room for improvement, and and yeah, I think the ending was a little rushed. What I did like a lot, though, was that the epilogue did overlap with the Vader comics, even though it wasn't adapted sort of amazingly. Uh, I don't think it needed to be there in the first place, since the story just kind of carries on into the comic. It didn't need to be there at all, but uh, I thought it was... I appreciated the fact that it kind of just went there anyways you know just because it could so uh fellas thank you so much for coming on the podcast aj thank you for returning for another book review welcome and uh sir blake thank you again as always good to be here thanks for listening and we'll see you out there keep flying All right. Thank you to all our listeners at home. You guys are awesome. And uh, be sure to share this show with a friend. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Join the Discord and check all the links in the description below. May the force be with you. And we'll see you in another episode of Star Wars Escape On.